Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Joan Ash on Live 95. Whatever Happened to Birdie Troy is a new book released on the 1st of February following Stacey Nash, a podcaster who attempts to find out what caused the sudden breakup of an 80s all-woman rock band and the disappearance of their guitarist, Birdie Troy. Joining us now, we have the writer and journalist Rachel Egan to tell us more. Good morning to you, Rachel. Good morning. How are things? Oh, great. Sure. This is a fab book. I'm. This is going to throw me right back into my teenage years. <laughs> tell us more about it. Okay, so it's the story, basically, as you say, of uh, a young woman in the present day called Stacey Nash, who, as chance would have it, is from Limerick. And um, she has a podcast where she tries, called Whatever Happened To, and she tries to track down people who were once well known or in the public eye and to find out what happened afterwards. So it's it's doing quite well, but she can't make any money from it. She's about to be evicted from her apartment. Everything is going wrong for her. But on the day that she receives that eviction notice, she also gets an email from a listener who recommends that she try to find out what happened to an all-woman rock band who were big in the early 1980s, very briefly, called The Diamonds. And their guitarist was Birdie Troy. And to begin with, Stacey is a bit sceptical about this because she thinks, well, you know, we're talking 40 years ago, 10 years before she was born. She she doesn't think it'll be possible to get anywhere. Then she has a look on YouTube and finds their one and only appearance on Top of the Pops. And she is absolutely transfixed by the diamonds and by Birdie in particular. And, and she just can't see how it would have been possible for, for four such charismatic young women, and, and three of them at the time were only teenagers, for, for, for such charismatic, compelling young women to disappear. So she sets out to try and find out what happens, what happened. And then the story kind of alternates between Stacey in the present, present day doing her detective work and um, the Diamond story from all those years ago. Okay, so who are the Diamonds um influenced by like when you when you came up with the idea for this all girl rock band from the eighties, who were you thinking of? Well, I was thinking to begin with, I was thinking of, I suppose in many ways, the sort of, you know, the sort of young women I grew up with in Shannon and, um, you know, good, good fun, um, clever, talented, a bit wild on occasion. But I also wanted them to be the band to be, you know, to be real rockers as well and to have that sort of late 70s, early 80s influence. So So not based on the Nolan sisters then? No, no, they're definitely not the Nolan sisters. No, you you wouldn't say that about the Diamonds. I mean, they mm. they their heroines now would be Debbie Harry, they'd be Patty Smith, Chrissy Hind, that that sort of era. You yeah. know, that they 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 play their instruments, they write their own songs, they're the real deal. And in fact, they also get their big break in uh, playing a gig in Limerick, which is probably one of the reasons why Stacey becomes so attached to them. 
Oh, okay. Well, we all know that there's a very famous Irish band that got their big break <laughs> in Limerick. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. And actually, when they were when they were were starting off, I had this notion that sort of that 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 mute the music journalists of the day that they might refer to the Diamonds as U two for girls. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so I I tried to make the connection there. All right. Yeah. Of course, people will know you have your own connections to uh, around here, as you mentioned. You grew up in Shannon, uh, Stacey Nash. Uh, is she connected to a, a very famous radio person with the name of Nash from the Limerick area? <laughs> well, you know the way it is. When, I, when I'm writing, I always try to to give characters names that 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 make sense. As in, you know, sometimes if you're reading a book and you think, well, somebody from around there, you know, would they really have that name? So, so I wanted a Limerick name, and um, yeah, so I could we could say in a way that um, Joe Nash is, is partly responsible for the character. Yeah, we <laughs> could definitely good. say that. He'll, he will love that, absolutely love it. I'd <laughs> say he'll be telling everybody about that. Um, but what I like about this book from what I'm reading about is that it it's going to try and capture what the 80s music scene meant in Ireland and you know people of my generation often say that people have no idea what it was like there were so many good Irish bands back then you know it was the, the time of you know the something happens stuff you the four of us you'd uh, I remember the back of my school bag been scribbled with all bands names and they were all Irish every single one of them yeah, I was I was thinking very much of that time and of the early eighties in particular. I mean, I remember there was a band in Limerick. I'm sure I'm sure listeners will remember them called Tuesday Blue, oh, who yeah. were massive around yeah. that time in the early eighties. Yeah, and I was thinking of all of those bands, and it was. I mean, when you look back on it, it was a time in many ways. You know, it it was kind of a dark time in Ireland. There there was huge unemployment, emigration w- was a big, big issue. It wasn't a great time to be a young woman in Ireland. You, you had the violence in the North. I mean, but at the same time, and maybe this was a reaction to the, to what was happening in the wider world, because, you know, if you were a youngster then, you were just, you were searching for colour, you, you were looking for an alternative. And yeah, there were so many rock bands. I mean, Stacey, I think, says at one point when she starts finding out about this, because to her, it's all news. She wasn't born until the 1990s. And she says, well, if you couldn't, st-, it seemed to her that if you couldn't start a revolution with a guitar, at least you could hope that it would provide an escape. And and that's what I reckon many of the bands in those days were doing. And it was a music crazy time. And I think music was really, really important for young people at the time. So, yeah, I wanted to try and capture that. Yeah. And you've created a playlist. I, I went on to the playlist on Spotify just to, to see the songs, which brought me right back was delighted to see Intuanua on there, but lots of other names like the Talking Heads are on that. You've Blondie on that. All these songs are, are they all mentioned in the book, or is it to give a kind of a, a flavour? Many of them are, and um, but some of them aren't. But the, the way I kind of rationalise it is the the band's bass player. Gail McGeehan, who's who's um, well, who goes on to surprise a few people, but I won't say any more about that. But she does this thing on the day, uh, on the day of a gig when they're playing a gig, where she she in the old fashioned way, because remember it's the early eighties, she uses a cassette tape to tape a few songs off the radio, and that they can all dance to, and it's it's their way 
of kind of reminding them that what this is what it's all about. And they sing and dance for, you know, three or four songs along with the tape. And um, so I imagine the, the other ones I put there on the playlist, I, I imagine that they're, they're songs that, that Gail would have had on her playlist, even though I don't think we called it a playlist in those days. A mixtape, I That's suppose, exactly, would have been. Yeah, would have, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, when everybody made mixtapes, yeah. yeah. The sign of true love, wasn't it? Somebody to make a mixtape for you. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Or, or it could be kind of awkward if you weren't expecting it. But yeah, they were such a big thing back in the day, weren't or they? Or if you didn't like the songs, then it was a bit cringe, you know. The God, who thought I was going yeah, to be into, yeah, into you had that to pretend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yes, so a lot of a lot of that music is on there, and it was it was great fun to compile it. Unfortunately, the one thing I found was that um, quite a few Irish bands of that era haven't really made it to Spotify or any of the streamers. So I would like mm. to have had more Irish music on there from the early eighties, but unfortunately, I, I just couldn't track the bands down. That's interesting. Interesting. Tell us, um, Rachel, journalism and fiction. What's your first love? <sighs> Do you know, I change all the time. I mean, my first love is journalism because I've done it for so much longer and I've been in broadcasting for so much longer. But every time, you know, I find myself saying, well, it's kind of hard to combine the two. Should I choose? And I found even last year, you know, there were a couple of occasions where I just walked away from writing for a while because I found that it wasn't so much that I didn't have the time that that I didn't really have the headspace to do to you know sure you know as well as I do the way the news agenda is mm. at the moment there is just so much it's very hard to look away from the news but I did find that you know when I walked away from the writing for a little while I found I came crawling back again pretty quickly so yeah I do, I, I do find it very hard you know maybe sometimes sometimes they they work well together sometimes they don't but um, and then sometimes I have to remind myself that you know I've chosen to do this it's not as though anybody is foisting it upon me so uh, yeah yeah, there are worse problems to have A a nice antidote I would imagine to uh, sometimes the, the bleaker news that has to be covered yeah, I mean, even if you're, I think in a book, even if what you're writing is dark and, you know, there are places where where whatever happened to Birdie Troy is a little dark, um, it is it is nice to have this other world in your head, this, this make-believe world that to you starts to seem real and you're kind of looking after other fictional problems and dilemmas rather than, than, than having to tackle the real world. I know that sounds a bit mad, but I think I think probably most writers feel that way. Well, I think it's a great name for a book. I love the name Birdie Troy because it sounds like a pop star's name, but it also sounds like a very limerick name too. Um, so it's like, yeah, it sounds it sounds like a girl. In your, I wanted her to sound like a girl in your class at school, and that was and and I think that's 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 the, the case with the four of them. Like, there's her bandmates, her best friend is Gail McGeehan, and then there's Yvonne Hayes on the drums, and Loretta Saunders is on vocals. So I wanted them all to sound as though yeah, these do. were the girls you knew growing up. Those names, but I don't think Gail McGeehan sounds like she would have been the famous pop star, front star. You know, it's not a, a, a celebrity's name. Whereas Birdie Troy, I think, could be a celebrity's name. So I think it works both ways. I think people love a story that is set in their home country, but in their kind of have all those connections to Limerick. I'm sure lots of Limerick readers will love this book, Rachel English. It's called What Hap- Ever Happened to Birdie Troy. Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95.